So 20 years ago, uh, my wife and I, Don and I, were attending this, uh, this church and just kind of started out by going like once a month and then, you know, once every two weeks over time. And then we were, you know, pretty much in. And uh, my mom and dad were at the church as well. And they were involved in this, uh, this ministry called Alpha. And Alpha, some of you may have heard of it, but Alpha is a, it's like a 10 to 12 week course and it's considered a practical introduction to Christianity in a non-threatening environment. That's basically what it is. And I love Alpha. We're talking right now and praying about doing an Alpha here at the Vineyard next year. And we got involved in it and we were just kind of signed up to help. And what was kind of cool about the experience was we, uh, we signed up to help and we were kind of like assigned the task of being in a small group and not to like answer all the questions, but to basically build relationships. And then sometimes when we get called upon to, to share our, our thoughts on it. And so the whole point of the group though is essentially for, for you. Does anybody in the room have like a non-Christian friend that you wish would become a Christian? Yeah, if your hand's not up, you need to rethink your life. <laughs> but uh, people were told about this, and they, they would talk to their friends and their family, and then they would invite them to this group. And, and so in the group of about 12 people, there's a leader, a facilitator, and then there's a, a helper or two, and then a whole bunch of non-church people, basically. And so we started going to this group, and the first week I met this young man named Jordan. And Jordan was, I think he was like 20 years old, and uh, he was basically forced to attend because his dad said, if you want to live in my house, you have to go to this alpha thing. <laughs> and so he was, was there. And uh, Body language can com communicate a lot of things, can't it? And his body, body language was very communicative. Um, he, would, he would come in the room, and we'd have like the circle of chairs, and he would walk over, grab his chair, and pull it very far back from the group, and then he would cross his arms like this, and he would basically not even pay attention to us at all. And it was really obvious that he did not like the situation. And so each week, though, over the course of Alpha, you know, it's like this, this progression, and the whole entire point is to talk about different beliefs of Christianity and leading up to who Jesus is, um, the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of moving in that direction. And it was really interesting over the course of, of the 10 to 12 weeks because uh, every week it seemed like Jordan would move a little bit closer, and he went from having his body like, you know, sideways, looking the other direction, ignoring us to like... Like by the sixth week, he's like in the group and he's like, he's asking questions and participating. And we watch this progression happen over time. And by the 10th week, Jordan made a decision to follow Jesus. And it was really cool. Uh, he made that decision. So like I connected with him because I was just a couple years older than him at the time. And, uh, and the way we formed our relationship was through Alpha. And then we were talking one day and he was super into this Xbox game called Halo. And I was like, what is this Halo you speak of? And I went to his house and we went into his room and then we binged Halo for like 14 hours and I came out and it was like the sun was up and I was like, oh my gosh. 
And uh, so we formed this relationship. Uh, every week he's hearing about Jesus and having his questions answered, and he's hearing the life experiences of different people in this group. And then we go out and play video games, and we became friends. And it was, it was when we were driving on the highway, we were, I'll never forget it because we were going on this on-ramp, and he said, you know, the reality is, is that I'm ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. Like, I can't, I can't deny the things that we've been talking about. And so we pull over, and he prayed and made a decision to follow Jesus, which his dad was like, that's why I made you come. You had to. Uh, but I think there were, like, several contributing things to that decision, okay? Several things that helped uh, usher him into that decision. And the first was that, Alpha was a safe space for him to ask questions and express his ideas. Like, I remember, you know, when he first started saying things, he was very much anti-Christian. You know, he was not afraid of letting you know his opinions. And it was like everybody in the, in the room, like, just listened to him and allowed him to process his thoughts and didn't make him feel judged for it, you know. It wasn't that everybody agreed with him. We would oftentimes, you know, disagree and have a conversation about it. But he, I know he felt like... It was a safe space. I also uh, think it was really important about that is that there were 11 other people in that room with him. And all those 11 people had their own experiences. And some of them were already like maybe new baby Christians and others were maybe exploring it. Uh, and, and so they all got to share their life stories and that seemed to help him in his process. Um, another contributing reason I think were that friendships were formed. I mean, real true friendships happened in that group. Um, my dad has this saying where he says that, that the church, uh, we should build bridges of friendship and watch Jesus walk across them. And that is like, it's totally what happened in that context. There were real relationships. And then finally, um, you know, what I really believe and I've seen over and over again is that the Holy Spirit was deeply at work in that, in that context as well. And, and I believe strongly that the Holy Spirit is at work in everybody's life. I think God is at work at, in people's lives and we have to be attentive and keep our eyes and ears open to see how we can partner with God to help other people experience God's radical love. Um, but recently I've been having a few conversations with people in our church community and some of them have been, um, you know, wanting to get together and talk about, hey, I want to get more involved. You know, let's, can, we, can we talk and can we see where I fit? And I love doing that. I know Don loves doing that. There's other leaders in our church that love talking about maybe the way that God's gifted you or wired you. And we want to help people see how they fit. Because oftentimes people, it's really easy just to come, sit, watch, and not participate. And so that's obviously a great thing. And, and a couple people over the course of talking uh, expressed to me that, you know, in their church background, for a long time, they basically looked at the church kind of as a hobby. And I was like, that's interesting. I had never ever thought about it that way um, and, and, and it was like one of those things where, you know, church life and Jesus, it's a great thing to do if there's nothing else on the schedule. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, it was actually really helpful to hear that because I remember in my life where that was absolutely the case. You know, like I grew up in church, was forced to go to church, was at church all the time. And it wasn't until my mid-20s where I really began to see um, my life wanting to value this a little bit more than that, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, I, and I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, um, 
I can so relate to that idea sometimes, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. I mean, why is it that people oftentimes look at church and church world and community and and all these things that we're talking about, why do we look at it as a hobby? And I think that one of the reasons why it could be people's past hurts and their bad experiences, right? I mean, every week I talk to people who are like slowly coming into the vineyard and they tell me their stories about their past church experiences and it's so sad because I'm like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that you were treated that way. I'm sorry that you know this pastor in your life uh, manipulated that way or wasn't there for you or you're, you had friends and family that turned their back on, when you, on you when you went through something. I mean, those are bad things, right? So it's understandable why people might be a little hesitant. Um, I also think on the flip side, many people might approach the church through the lens of it's a hobby because they haven't had a good experience to realize that taking it more seriously has tremendous benefits for our spiritual lives too, right? You know, does that make sense? Like if, if you have a really positive experience, it's easier to see why you should value it. Like many of you have heard Don and I our story, you know, our first pregnancy, Don got pregnant with twins. And we were like super excited. We were 15 years old, not really, but it felt that way. And we had just gotten married and we were like, oh yeah, you know. And, and then Don had a miscarriage. And we were, it was really hard because what we found out, um, I remember Don and I talking about it was like, you know, you feel like a failure, you feel like something's wrong with you, you're wrestling with your feelings towards God, and then we found out through that process that there were many other people who had gone through a miscarriage. We also found out that there wasn't something wrong with us, and it was because of a small group of people, this small group that we went to that just kept coming around us and loving on us and praying for us and reaching out to us and and helping us process through that. And so that was a positive experience, and that really changed our lives quite a bit. And then I also think that some of the reasons why we might be hesitant to like really jump in is due to either misunderstandings about what it means to follow Jesus or immaturity um, or just not being fully committed to Jesus and the kingdom. There's a lot of different reasons why. And so this month, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be leaning into a sermon series that we're talking about this idea of more than a hobby. Like really, really pressing into that because I think that we need to be challenged and we need to understand how important our spiritual lives are. I mean, you know, a lot of us invest in all these other different ways about our life, but we might not realize that one of the most important areas of investment is our spiritual lives, our relationship with God, and how pursuing spiritual maturity and growth, how central that is to following Jesus and being a part of his kingdom. So... What I want to do this morning is, is spend some time talking to this. We're going to lean into this a bit and read some scripture together. But, like, why community? Why is it that there are virtually thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of followers of Jesus who would want you to know how important community is for your spiritual life? Why? Why? And I think one of the reasons why um, it's important is because I believe that a major goal, a major goal of Christian spirituality is becoming more like Jesus. Like when we talk about our spiritual lives, our spirituality, one of the goals that hopefully you have is that you would become more like Jesus. That's one of the reasons why we gather. We want to become more like Jesus. And, and, We want to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. 
Um, I think we want to be more open to developing and cultivating and orienting our lives around Jesus and the kingdom so that we can become more like Jesus. I mean, if you spend any time studying the life of Jesus, hopefully you walk away from the gospels realizing just how unique and how perfect and how beautiful and how amazing and how gracious and how faithful and how truthful and how full of life Jesus was. And when you study the Gospels, hopefully what happens is you walk away saying, I want to be more like that man, right? I mean, I, I've said this before, but I, like, I love Jesus. I love reading the Gospels because in, in, in a passage of Scripture, there's these things that simultaneously happen. Like Jesus comes along the scene, and he interacts with somebody who's oppressed or overlooked or marginalized, who's really down and out, and Jesus restores them. Right? And we're like, yeah, that, that just gives me hope, even me. <laughs> right? And we see that. And in the next instant, instance, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's jacking them up, and he's calling them out, and he's slapping them around, and we're like, ouch, that might be me too. Right? And then we see Jesus healing people, and we just see all these really beautiful stories where Jesus is, is bringing the, the reality of the kingdom into people's lives, and it's changing their lives. And so that's why I want to be more like Jesus, one of the numerous reasons why I want to be more like Jesus. So the question is, how does becoming more like Jesus happen? How do you and I become more like Jesus? How do we, uh, how do, we do that? I mean, do we, in, on one hand, do we do it in isolation? Like, oh my gosh, all I have to do is disconnect from the world, move to a desert island with my Bible, and I will become so super spiritual, I'll be just like Jesus. Does it happen that way? Or does it happen in the context of community, in the context of being with others who are committed to Jesus and who are committed to doing Jesus' ministry? Okay, that's the question that we're going to be wrestling with. Now, there's a lot of reasons why I think we need to see Jesus in the church as more than a hobby. And there are hundreds and hundreds of passages of Scripture that we could spend time wrestling with and looking at. But this morning, I want to look at one passage of Scripture that I really clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, this is what we're going to be looking at. And it's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. And I want to read this passage. Paul says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Are you all ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Take a deep breath. Then he says this, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me say that again. Paul says that that. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 
Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now, notice how this text starts with the negative fruit of the non-connected life. I mean, one might even observe that many who take Jesus as a side hobby fall into that trap. And I go back and look at my life when I was living in an isolated, disconnected, trying to just kind of keep one foot in church and then the other foot connected to the streets. Just kidding. But when I, but when I was like living this life where I wasn't all in, it, that's what happened. Oftentimes it was like a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of me. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the things that I want to do. And I, got, I was you know, not, not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that kind of happening here in, in Paul's letter. And so uh, Paul then, I think, after he lays out this big list of vices or things that can disconnect us from God, and the reality, I want to be very clear, because some of you might be feeling like really super judged right now, everybody in this room was at one time enslaved to these things. Okay? True? Like, there's nobody who can stand in here and be like, no, not me. Right? I mean, it's just like, it's like, oh, well, let's talk to your mom or your dad or your siblings or your spouse or anybody who knows you. They have a long list of the things that you do. Right? So all, I mean, that's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the goal here isn't to say, we need to isolate the worst sin of them. I mean, Paul is saying, this is the fruit of living from disconnect, disconnected life. And then he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which is a product of the connected life. That's what Paul's doing here. And so what we see is that after Paul lays out the non-connected life, then Paul lays out the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he mentions love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's our question. How do we develop the fruit of the Spirit? How do we become more loving, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more gentle, and more self-controlled. How does that happen? Hobbyist Christians, I think, are singular in their focus where disciples of Jesus are communal. And I want to point this out to you. Look, look with me in this text. If you, if you pay attention to certain words, there's an interesting, remarkable thing here. Okay, notice this. Paul starts out by saying, when you, singular, follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he gives this long list of things that are pretty negative. Everybody agree? Yep. All right. Then he does this. He says, let me, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. Then he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our, not singular, plural. Whoa. Interesting. Then he, he lists out these gifts, and then he goes on to say, those, plural, who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to, the cro to his cross. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let Do you notice that? It's really interesting. Like Paul is essentially laying out this, and it's very subtle, I don't think this is the main point that Paul is making here, but, but when he's writing this, it seems to be an observation that he had amongst the Galatians was that those of you who are living the disconnected, singular, individualistic lives seem to have this byproduct. 
But those of you who are connected, who are working together to grow spiritually and to encourage one another, this is the, the product of that. It's very, very interesting. So how do we grow? That's the question. And also I want to point out this. This is another thing that I think is really interesting. Paul is writing about the fruit of the Spirit. Most of you in the room have probably heard this text before. Like you're well aware of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul's writing this out. He's laying it out. And it's in the context of a bunch of conflict that's happening, happening in Galatia. So it's in the midst of conflict that we need to have more of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? That's where it has to happen. So really interesting. So how do we grow in our, in our, our faith, in our relationship with Jesus and our commitment? I think it's a combination of God's work in our lives and our surrendering to him, to him. Let's stand up together. I want to end with two quick stories and then Don's going to pray. So um, at the end of this month, in October, we are starting some small groups. And I want you to know that I think that being a part of a small group is absolutely essential and vital for your spiritual lives. Like if you want to grow, if you take growth seriously, then, then being a part of a small group and not being in disconnected life, but in more connected life would be really good for you. And listen, I know all the excuses. I have all them too. You know, we have 85 kids driving to 85 events. And, and my, my challenge for you over the course of this month is to really think about how you can be more connected. I know for some of you it might not work out, but being more connected. So 20-something years ago, Don and I start this small group. And this is part of our story of how we got into ministry too because we started a small group. We had like eight people to start with. And within like four weeks, we had like 75 people in this small group. And that kept happening. And that's when our pastor was like, maybe you're supposed to be a pastor. We're like, absolutely not. That's the worst idea. I know God's not calling us to be a pastor. 25 years later, here we are. <laughs> but it was in the midst of that group, we met this young woman. And she first came to our group super, super insecure. She had a background of being abused by both her family members and then multiple boyfriends over and over again. And I just remember she was like, like this really precious, um, wounded you know, person who had no, no courage, no confidence, none of that. And on top of that, she was super involved in witchcraft. And that was the first time I'd ever met somebody who was like, yeah, I do witchcraft. And I was like, what? My mom told me to not hang out with you, but <laughs> so anyway, she starts coming to our group, and over the course of these small groups that we had, every week she's like, she was so hungry for the Bible. She was like, I just want to. I'm reading it all the time. Look, can we talk about this book? Yes, we can. We we pray together. She's getting prayer every single opportunity that she can get prayer. She's getting prayer. All that type of stuff's happening. And, and so she, over the course of, of the months and years that we were meeting with them consistently, she became this super, super healed, confident, not insecure, but bold follower of Jesus. And today, I just talked to her the other day, today she's leading a prayer ministry at her church. She's got a family, kids, and she's thriving. And why? Because she didn't remain disconnected. She got connected to Jesus divine, and she was connected to other followers of Jesus. Amen? And then I met this other guy, and then Don's going to pray. I met this other guy. He comes to our small group, super duper biker dude. 
tattoos everywhere. I was so scared of him. And he's like really rough and gruff. And he was like um, at one time a part of a, of a motorcycle gang. And I remember when I first met him, I was just like, dude, this guy is super scary. And I'm not really sure about him. Like, is he going to kill us all? I mean, I was really literally having, like, why is he here? Why is this non-Christian person at our church meeting? And he comes. And, and, and so I got done speaking, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. And I left to my shame because I assumed he was there to meet somebody or why was this guy here? Go get my cup of coffee, and I come back in, and he's sitting on this chair in the front, weeping as all these people who are part of our church community were praying for him. So what happened to, to me is I walked out of the room. He came forward and said, I want Jesus. I don't know. I'm here because I have no idea where to start. Everybody prays for him, leads him to the Lord. The next day, he shows up at my house, and he's like, I bought a Bible. I want you to study it with me. And it was one of them big old family Bibles. <laughs> And so we start reading it, and we literally, Don, remember, we literally spent like 12 hours and went over the, I mean, he's like, let's start at Genesis and go to Revelation. I was like, like today? Yes. <laughs> All right. So we did it. And we spent time reading through the scriptures. And, and when we, like when we moved away from him, and that was like two years after us being weekly Bible studies, praying together, he was a completely different person. He was this really gentle, kind, loving person who just wanted people to come to Jesus. And that's the power of being connected, not just to Jesus, but being connected to other followers of Jesus, where Jesus isn't a hobby or a side project, but he is the most central commitment we have in our lives. Amen.